You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Second down and 12. Brady with pressure. Out comes the football. Recovered by Golden. And Marcus Golden is going to reach for the touchdown. No flag. Back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, how you doing? I don't even know what day it is anymore. I am on day 73, holed up in my hotel in Arlington, Texas. That giant game seems like it was 40 days ago. I think that's probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> I want to know, uh, you know, as bad as everything seems to be a Giant fan right now, you could be a Cowboy fan because, again, sports radio, the fan in Dallas is beautiful music to my ears of how wretched they are. It's fantastic. Yeah, you know, usually this area is surrounded by uh, guys wearing a Yankee hat and Cowboys jersey around this time, <laughs> and I'm not seeing any of them. Are they in Are they in Arlington? Because they're not in North well, Jersey. They might still be in L.A. for the Laker um, NBA championship parades. They may yes. not have gotten back to North Jersey, but uh, they are certainly not here. Uh, you know, very quiet. You know, they again, listening to sports radio, which is really my only link to the local world when I go to lunch, just hearing how it's the worst defense since 1960 and the coaching staff's a disaster and there's no pride and no heart. And when you know Andy Dalton got hurt, nobody – was you know defending him or you know sticking up for him and it's just it's 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 pure poetry i mean walt whitman couldn't write (laughs) phrasing like this i i I just really enjoying it so it takes takes my mind off my own problems that i have so well you know back in giants land they have their own issues and unfortunately it might be me and 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 the mush here um if if you guys listen to our pregame show the day of that morning, I predicted a heartbreaking loss to the tune of twenty-four to twenty-three, and I, you know, I, you know, I admit it. I'll take this one. I, I was wrong. It was in fact a heartbreaking loss to the tune of twenty-two twenty-one. Jesus Christ! I, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know what? I, I'll take a lap, um, as Joe Judge would would probably make me do. It's inexcusable mm-hmm. for me to be off by uh, two points like that, four total. You count both teams. Yeah, um, no, no, grump. You are not. Yeah, no, I, I'm a mess. Uh, but for real, you know, this was, this was. I, I, I mean, I don't know if there's any Giants fan that hates the Eagles as much as I do. And um, you know, we've in the past on the show during some slow Mondays, or or maybe just off on tangents, described. You know who our most hated rival is, and you and I differ really hard. I mean, for you, it's definitely Dallas. For me, you know, I I hate Dallas. Don't get me wrong, especially since it's the biggest fan base full of people who don't know where Texas is on the map, or you know, but Philadelphia, anything, and I would rather eat the floor than than wear an Eagles. I would rather freeze to death in the winter than wear an Eagles hoodie. You know, I, I can't stand <laughs> it. And um, force myself to rewatch the game. You know, the Giants actually did play pretty well, you know, in comparison to what we've seen this year. Um, it's tough to, to say that after such a heartbreaking loss. But uh, in rewatching it, it was not a, not a bad game. You know, it's my one of my favorite catchphrases. Certainly, applies this week, losers lose, and that's basically what happens. Is teams that are losers find ways to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, and that's kind of what happened here. And some of it was the way the game played out. I mean, I know that Fox put the graphic up every seven seconds of the time of possession discrepancy, and yeah. It turned out that was a major factor in the fourth quarter, and a lot of that wasn't the Giants' fault. I mean, it's not Daniel Jones' fault. He threw on the first play of a drive a long touchdown pass, so we had no offense there. You know, it wasn't our fault there was a turnover you know, caused by defense. It's 
that's just the way it was. And a lot of it in the fourth quarter was that the defense was on the field too long. But, you know, we're going to get into Evan Ingram. We're going to get into all the little things that happen. But when all those little things keep adding up and you're not a good team, you're going to lose. And you know, it's unfortunate that it was losers lose reared its ugly head again, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, when, when I talk about the things that went right and why this game went wrong, there's some things to understand. I, I'm sure a lot of people are down in the dumps because this is a super-duper hurt Eagles team. And um, you're, you're not wrong, you know? Um, that said, that said, um, the Giants were operating at a disadvantage in some respects here. You know, I, I tried to highlight how big of an impact it would be not having... Tay Crowder and not having Darnay Holmes for this game. Darnay Holmes is someone that we haven't talked about that much. I don't think the media's talked about that much, but he's a dude who's been playing a significant portion of stats. I don't snaps. I don't have it right in front of me, but I believe last well, it must be like seventy five percent of snaps so far this year, and his name almost never gets called because he's almost never targeted. Um, he's done such a good job. Uh, you know, covering the middle of the field. And Tate Crowder, I don't want to, you know, praise him as, you know, the next middle linebacker of the future or anything like that. But one thing that I think that he does very well is, is coverage. He's athletic, he's fast, and he has good instincts for zones. And if you watch this game, getting off the getting off the field on third down has been the Giants' problem this whole year. But... um in this game in particular, it was giving up stuff in the middle of the field. And that's something that we haven't really seen a lot of so far this year. Um, this, The combination of not having those two guys is just... It's a, it's a hurdle that right now this roster can't jump. It's not quite there. You know, with, with what they've had to deal with, with McKinney being out, and with Sam Beal opting out, with DeAndre Baker you know, getting arrested. This roster coming into this year was already hamstrung and they were just barely being stapled together. And they just, you know, they can't afford to not have those two staples right now. And uh, they were carved up because of it. On the flip side of things, for why the Giants didn't do so poorly, um, the Eagles on defense are pretty healthy. You know, they're not... They're not too worse for the wear on the defensive side of the ball. And the Giants didn't play so poorly on offense. Um, you know, despite not having Saquon Barkley for starters, the, the best player on the team, um, and despite losing Devonta Freeman v- very early in the game. Part of the reason Freeman is important is because of just what you were talking about, time of possession. This team has, over the last couple weeks, shown that it can sustain super long drives running the fall running the ball and running it well I must say you know it's been a while since we've mm. seen an offensive line give me a minute okay give me a minute this the last two weeks have been ripping off runs in chunks um I would say that not there's a lot of problems and I think this is my one gripe with Jason Garrett so far the last two weeks, you know, he's been getting, we've been seeing more and more of the playbook. I think we've been seeing a more downfield attack to this offense and a more lean on the run and the play action. Um, but he keeps doing these weird reverses in the red zone and they're just not really working. Um, and I think that's skewing a lot of the running numbers, but this, this is a running game. We haven't seen without Barkley, by the way, that we haven't seen in a while. Um, you know, and we had to lean on Wayne Gallman again. Um, yeah, it's still a running game. It's leaning most on Daniel Jones. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the pure running back numbers, though. I'm not looking at the overall rushing numbers. And you know, Daniel Jones is legitimately part of the running game. I would say now. Uh, you know, and yeah, I'm gonna get it. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to make but, make jokes that Daniel Jones is the leading rusher. I mean, we've had running backs in and out, and this team was not running the ball very well at the beginning of the year. They just weren't. Nothing was going right on Mm -hmm. offense at the beginning of the year. But that said, Daniel Jones and his um, RPO play design 
for him is a legitimate part of this offense. It's not a gimmick. It's part of who he is. And we saw that on display for, you know, 92 yards rushing in this game. You know, that's... Yeah. That's legitimate. Even if even if fucking 89 of it is on one play, that doesn't matter. That doesn't happen with some quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, you could see it. it this wasn't the only time this has happened this year. I mean, granted, he had an 80-yard run in this game, but he's had... He's broken off big runs in the L.A. game. He's broken off big games, uh, runs in, in the Washington game. He, you know, you're not expecting a home run every time he does it, but it's a weapon. You know, this is this is as close to the modern NFL as we've seen this giant offense in years and years, having a, a quarterback. Again, he's not Michael Vick, but, you know. But he can run. I mean, these plays aren't can designed run. to go 89 yards. They're designed to go, yeah. like, 7, 8 at most. Right, right. They're designed to keep the op- the defense off balance and to flip, you know, the advantage on a third and from third and long to third and short. That's the goal. And he's getting, you know, four or five, six yards in the first down. It's it's a better weapon than the average run that we have through the running backs. Now the running the the running game is getting getting better. It's still not very good. I mean, again, if we're just comparing it to what it was before. There is improvement, but again, it's still not something that, and I don't think this offense is going to be one that's going to lean so heavily. So it's not as big of a deal that it's not, you know, going to have nine, 10 minute drives every time with you know, 14 carries and keep moving the chains in the fourth quarter. That's not really the way this, I don't think this offense is going to be designed, but it's, you know, Freeman getting hurt. That really hurts. I mean, Gallman is a backup. He's a career backup. He always will be. Um, you are seeing a couple little breaks for three, four, five yards, but I still can't count on this running game to be much of anything. Well, this isn't this isn't a defense that uh, you're supposed to be able to run against, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I said that the Philadelphia defensive line is a step up from Washington's. Washington might have more overall talent right now, um, just because they're they're younger, um, but this. This Philly defense, first of all, it's it's Jim Schwartz. He gets he, he likes to get pressure with just four guys, and he likes to get guys that can do that. And uh, these guys are savvy veterans. They are still maybe on the back end of their prime. A lot of them aren't young, but uh, they're th- this is a very good defensive line with a, a deep rotation. And, um, you know, near 100 yards rushing just from the running backs alone. It's a little skewed again because Daniel Jones alone had 92 yards rushing, 80 of which was on one play. But, you know. But they also didn't have as many plays on offense either. So it wasn't like. The, exactly. You know, yeah. the, that's, an, that's another point, too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for what it's worth, um, two weeks ago, we saw. Sorry. Was it two weeks ago we played Washington? There was. The interception in the in the red zone after the long drive, right? That was Washington. That was last week. Yeah, that was last week. And yeah. um, you know, a lot of people were on Daniel Jones about that, and I was saying that no, that was that was a really good drive. He was throwing it away. He just needs to do it better. Also, it wasn't an interception. He was clearly out of bounds. That's irrelevant. This week, Thursday, we saw that drive. That was the drive that we had seen. Mm-hmm. Um. Right there, it was a what ninety-seven yard drive or something like that, and it was yes. something like thirteen, fourteen plays. I mean, that right there—that's what—that's what this team wants out of its offense: bleed the clock, you know, move the ball down the field, heavy leaning on the running play action. That's play. great. That's a great offense when you have the lead. And, and they did. yesterday we, or Thursday we did have the leads. So that's going to be great, but this team isn't good enough that we're going to be in that many leads this year too. So it's kind of a double-edged sword a little bit. I mean, what you saw from that drive is not how they want to have their op- – they don't want to be an offense known for 14 play drives that bleed so much clock and shorten games because it's not going to work in this NFL You know, as your, as your primary offense. You have to have it in your, you know, in your bag of tricks if you need it. And in this – point in this game this week we did need it and we were able to do it but i'm looking at it as you know as overall as a positive we could do it at that standpoint absolutely yeah, yes exactly um mm-hmm. 
obtaining the lead and then keeping it is so this is kind of the opposite of uh what 2016's problem was i mean in 2016 yeah sure the giants won 11 games or something like that 11 12 games but all of it was by it they're all low scoring games and they were all quick strikes. I mean, it was an offense that would do jack shit for three quarters and then an 80-yard completion for a touchdown that would put them over the top. I mean... Well, let's look at this two ways, this game. I mean, if you go this specifically this game, you know, this game was won if two plays were made. Absolutely. You know, obviously, the, the, the Ingram play on for third down, we're going to talk about every Ingram coming up. Don't worry. But also, the worst thing you can do as a defense is if you're up two scores, giving a huge chunk play immediately. Yeah. It doesn't have to necessarily be a touchdown. A play where you give up a 40-yard pass right off the bat, to all of a sudden it's no longer – they have to drive length of the field twice in seven minutes and score two touchdowns. All of a sudden, boom, you're in field goal range immediately. No clock is when, – when they hit that long pass you know, to start that first drive, I knew we were doomed yes. because all of a sudden – You've just made the game longer instead of making the game shorter. Uh, you know, I'm going to use another reference back to my, my my Florida Gator hat. Last year, Florida played LSU. Same situation. We were down by 11 with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, and Florida had a 90-yard drive, but it took seven minutes, 15 plays. LSU let them dink and dunk all the way down the field. They didn't care. They had time on their side. They didn't, it didn't matter to them if they were getting first downs. It, it was just slow, slow, slow. Clock was draining, clock was draining. Wasn't enough time to do anything at the end. Same thing was happening here, except that you let that first play go, and all of a sudden it changes completely. So that to me was almost as big as the Ingram drop. But really, you take those two plays to go, you know, the opposite way, we won this game, and we're having a whole different conversation about everything. So let's. Let's separate the actual game itself from how we played in the game and things to take away from going forward. Yeah, and, and let's let's stay with that. So, you know, like I said again, you know, this, that was Ryan Lewis that whiffed on that play. Uh, he just kind of let a receiver get lost behind him. And uh, it just couldn't happen. Again, this was something I was saying about Carson Wentz, you know. <laughs> Despite how bad his offensive line is, he is staying in the pocket. He's still doing deep drops, and he's heaving the ball downfield even as he's getting wrecked. He's not an easy guy to tackle, and the Giants had trouble bringing him down. And uh, he continues to look downfield and throw the ball. Now, Carson Wentz is also kind of a moron, and he makes bad decisions. <laughs> hence, his interception in the in the red zone um, was a complete folly. I don't know what he was looking at, but... Nevertheless, that gunslinger mentality is what allowed that reception to happen downfield. Mm-hmm. He, he's the Walmart version of Patrick Mahomes. So he, he, he completes plays similar to what Mahomes does, but not with the effectiveness or with the smarts to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the great value. <laughs> great, great value, Mahomes. Um, well, actually, it's not really. Yeah. <laughs> the Walmart... The, the Walmart quality, maybe not the value of Walmart. The Tiffany value. Oh, yeah. The Tiffany good, good cost. Point, good point, yeah. Um, let, let's get to Evan Ingram here, and this ties into Daniel Jones. So Evan Ingram gets a fart for this game. Um, I think that goes without saying. Uh, you know, at this point, it seems evident that the coaching staff is shoehorning plays to get him involved. And it's frustrating to watch because I don't know that you see these end arounds that are handed to him when he's like in motion already at the start of the snap and it fools nobody because he's always doing that and he's not very great at it. I mean, occasionally we'll get a five yard gain out of it and then we just go to the well over and over again because it's the only way to get the ball in his hands. Why? Because the dude can't catch. He's not very good at contested <laughs> catch. I mean, I, I hate I hate to do this because, you know, I I do think that he's an athletic weapon and I think that he can I've been saying for weeks now that we're not sending him vertically. Weeks, months. I've been saying this going back to the prior administration. You know, we're not sending him vertically. We're not we're not getting him to mismatch situations. You know what, man? 
The interception that Daniel Jones threw, and of course this is just another fucking stat for Daniel Jones that anybody who didn't watch the game is going to say, he can't go a game without a turnover. This was a slant pass that hit Ingram right in the hands. I'm not going to say there was nobody around him, but he was not. that was not a contested catch. He made a business decision to not get hit and just let it go right through his hands, and it was picked by Mills. Also, great catch by Mills. You know, diving interception. But that interception, 110% is on Evan Ingram, not Daniel Jones. The throw couldn't have been any better for him. And then we talk about the, the play at the end of the game. I thought for a moment, because you and I were texting at the game, and I was incredibly heated. And as soon as he dropped the pass, I, I made a very... I threw the remote on the uh, on the floor. You made like a business a decision. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I, I I acted a little bit like a child. Um, I was I was pretty it upset. Happens. Um, and I thought to myself the next day, I think maybe I overreacted. Maybe that catch doesn't seal the game. Oof! It absolutely no. seals the game. It seals it's it. It seals the game because not only first of all that was like a forty yard pass. He was wide open. He let it bounce. He did, it almost looks like there was no effort whatsoever. He didn't jump for it, nothing. Just held out his hands, bounced off his hands. And, you know, even if, let's just say for, even if he didn't run after the catch, which he had plenty of room, if he just caught that and slid right where he was, they're already in field goal range. You could run, you could you kneel to, three fucking times. And you have to start taking timeouts and all these other things. They, they, I think yeah. Philly only had one timeout left. At that point. Well, then you burn it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They burn it right there. Now you have three kneel downs. And you, you, first of all, you don't even need to kick the field goal. But you could. And now it's now it's mathematically impossible for Philly to score twice. That game was 100% over if Ingram makes that catch. I mean, I mean, and I, I hate to... This isn't the Wes Welker Super Bowl play where he had to jump and spin and catch it in mid... No, 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 no. No. All he had to do no, was catch no. this in stride. This is what this is what NFL players are paid to do, let alone first-round picks. I mean, you let catch alone guys that are looking for a major contract coming up, too. You, you catch that ball. And, you know, yeah. if you add those two in there... The, the interception that's on Ingram and that bat that not only does Jones get the win, he has no turnovers in this game. He goes twenty two of thirty for over two hundred yards with two touchdowns and ninety two yards rushing. It's great numbers. Great game. Yeah. He he played a great game. Yeah. Daniel Jones gets a star for this game. You know, instead he's got what? an interception, he's got a fumble on a meaningless play at the end of the game. You know He has a he has 20, a loss. Yeah, he has a loss. He goes yeah. twenty for thirty for hundred and eighty seven yards. And people will talk about him stumbling for now until the end of time yep. about it, which maybe gets forgot. Well, a little more joking aside, like people forget they scored three plays later now, but we win that game. That just becomes like a goofy thing. And that's the end of it. Yeah. No. And instead it becomes um, the butt fumble, you know? Well, you know, you remember, you know, they always have that highlight from like Super Bowl four, that one with the, uh, the, the kicker for the Dolphins, who was a bad snap, and he tries to throw it, and like mm-hmm. it's just wrong, and it just you know, ha 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 ha. Now it's just like a little funny little thing. But Miami won that game, and they went undefeated for the you know the season. So it's just kind of like a little funny thing. You know, if we win this game, that becomes like a little funny thing, and nobody cares anymore. But l- l- let's talk about Evan Ingram for for one second. Um, I think it's time that we stop with the idea of Evan Ingram, the idea and talk about what Evan Ingram, the player actually is because, you know, there may be a reason why Evan Ingram is not being, you know, uh, put out wide part of a vertical game. The the coaches watch practice. We don't. Maybe the guy just can't catch. Maybe he's just, he's not that good. And I think everybody, you know, they're in love with the idea of the mismatches. They're, they're, They're in love with the idea of the, uh, the height and the speed and all this nonsense, but you actually have to play. Um, remember when Mike Murdoch, Mike, I'm sorry, Mike Mayock used to do games on uh, the Thursday night with, uh, with Papa. Yeah. And the people, the reason why nobody liked him as a color commentator and not because of his Philly accent, which really annoys the shit out of me also, but he looked at a game, not for what happened. He wasn't Chris Collinsworth who said, Oh, 
look how the, the right guard pulled here and did this. And Aikman, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Roma, how he could predict plays. All he did for every single player was talked about his combine stats and talked about what his potential was. And like, you know, coming out of Bowling Green, he can lift seven cars and he had a 22.7 super shuttle run. That's all he did. All he talked about was potential and body fat and all those type of things. And that's what Evan Ingram is. Evan Ingram is a combine. He's not a football player. And there's enough body of work now that says that this guy is not that good. And unfortunately, because of, you know, the limited weapons that this team has in offense now, especially with Barkley gone and there's no real number one receiver. Sterling Shepard was gone until this week. You have to rely on the guy and he's been extremely unreliable. And there's some hard decisions going to be made pretty soon because he's going to, he's going to demand a big, big contract because he has all those measurables. You know, I'm sure his agent has a binder 12 inches thick about all of his, you know, his stats and everything. But the, the, the fact is the guy, he just disappears. You, you and say he stats. Blows it. You mean you mean combine numbers? His stats are, are what I would put in his face when he comes. No, to I'm talking. I'm talking about the, the size t- of his bicep. Yeah, or, I know. You know. And, and I would just simply put his stats in front of him, and be like, "You think you deserve what money now?" Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I, somebody's going to overpay for him because there somebody's are in a better Mayock. position to win. You well, know? there's also there's also GMs in the league like Mike Mayak, who actually is a GM in this league right now, who's still. The siren call of a guy who can be a physical mismatch against a, you know, a, a safety or something, they're going to take a chance and they're going to spend big money on him. But, you know, if this team is going in in the middle of a rebuild and has, you know, has cap money, but not unlimited cap money and is building towards the future, I can't see how they're paying this guy any money. I mean, well, OK, let he's, let me, he's just let me not that guy. A simple question here while we're talking about it. Who are the three best tight ends in the league right now playing even if they're on IR, but on a roster this year. I would say George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, maybe Gronkowski, maybe. I think Gronkowski because of a, uh, not a victim of circumstance, because of circumstance, yeah, but he's, he's been producing. Okay, so then Ertz maybe instead? I'd put Ertz, yeah. I, I would say Kittle and, one. And which one of them are the... Um, Mostly wide receiver, can't really block, but is a mismatch weapon. None of them. Uh, none, none of them are. Exactly. No. This Evan Ingram, to me, is... He, first of all, he's a part of the roster. It's something we've already invested in. So, I mean, I, I can only look at the bright side of who he is. He's a draft pick I didn't like, and he epitomizes to me the Mark Ross and Jerry Reese era. And again, this is... I'm not even speaking about Dave Gettleman, so it has nothing to do with it. It's just... This is an outside-in approach to building a roster of trying to get flashy weapons to run up scores and things of that nature. Evan Ingram is an incomplete tight end to begin with. He's already a guy who struggles to block. It's something we knew coming in. But his upside of being a vertical threat, a fast guy who's real tall, was supposed to outweigh that. He can't catch lateral passes. I mean, what was it, week one, week two? There was a fumbled five yards beyond the line of scrimmage because a, mm-hmm. a handoff from Daniel Jones bounced off of his hands. I mean, this is a, this is a huge problem, and this is a huge swing and miss by the Jerry Reese. It, it it's is. not even it's not even inconsistency because it's you have to actually make plays to be inconsistent when you don't make plays. I mean, can you count on two hands plays he's made this year? I mean. He has no. his flashes, not this year, no. I mean, I, I remember he had an incredible catch against Tampa last year, week three. I mean, okay, that's one. <laughs> I, 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 I'm agreeing with you. Look, he's he's yeah. a part of the roster now, so I'm, I, you know, again, every week we do analysis, I draw up how he can win, how he can lead to it. The dude's got a catch. It doesn't matter if he's deployed in a, in a downfield threat, if he's, uh, in a reverse, if we're, when the ball's like, in the air, it doesn't matter. When the ball's in the air, it doesn't matter what your position is what, or anything. The ball's coming at your hands. You have to catch it. You have to catch it. And it's, you know, I'd be more inclined to make excuses for him if it's a contested catch or if he's getting decked as soon as the ball hits his hands. We're not seeing that. That's not the issue. You know, I would. But here's the thing. You could make here's the, the argument should... in those scenarios that a first round pick has to catch the ball even if he's getting slammed to the turf. But 
that again, this is this is like undrafted free agents we would be hammering for not being Yeah, able but to you catch. know something when you say that like first being being labeled a first round pick is kind of like as soon as a new car goes off the lot. You're no longer a new car. You're a car. I mean, how many, how long will you keep saying, well a first round pick? It's like a sunk thing now. You sure. he's in this league, it's his it's his fourth year, you can't say, well a first round he's not a first round pick anymore. He's a a, a below average, underachieving, you know, offensive player. And, you know, holding him to this, the, uh, I'm not saying this is you, I'm just saying anybody who's still holding on to, well, he's not producing like a first round pick. That, that, that's he's not sale. producing. Years ago. Yeah, I mean, he's not producing. He's not producing. But, now, here's the other thing, though, is everybody's like, well, trade him, trade him, trade him. Why would you trade him right now when his value is so low? There's nothing I mean, like buying I, a car that that you know is in the shop. Yeah, fixed. that sounds good to me. Yeah. Sure, I mean, new transmission, he has no problem. Value. There is a value for him, and there, like I said, a lot of other GMs out there will take a flyer on him, but you know, not when the market's low. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, this would be interesting. You know. If he is traded, what they got for him right now, this could be something where the Gettleman people, you know, the, the, the anti-Gettleman people could say, yeah, you see, because I can't see them getting rid of him right now because, again, his value can only go somewhere but up from, from this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I can't I can't stress enough how how uh, infuriated I am, you know, that even if the, the – he'd probably get a, a fucking – fart from me for the interception based on this game anyway um, but missing that catch absolutely ruined the game for the rest of the team the team should be upset with him you know I mean yeah I mean yeah overall I mean, this, this this team did not play poorly uh, the other fart I have is for Andrew Thomas um, I watched every single snap of his I counted seven bad plays from him and that's too many based on the amount of plays they even had on offense only four of which ended in a sack or forced incompletion. Again, way too much. Way too much. It wasn't the colossal mess that was Flowers, though. It had a huge impact on this game. And it was everyone on, on the offensive line that had a bad game. All of them did not I mean, play very well. Is he playing with really poor technique? Is he playing lazy and sloppy like Flowers? Or is he just it's, it's really all over getting the place. overwhelmed? It, it, it's, it's all over the I think he's in his head a lot. Because mm-hmm. it's it's spin moves, it's inside moves. Sometimes it's it's going around him. You know, even on running places, getting to the right spot, he's just not hitting as hard as he needs to. I think he's just in his head. And I think you know, are we doing any are we doing any sort of double teaming to help him? Like I know the tight ends are useless for for blocking, but are is, are we doing anything to kind of help him on that yeah, side? Um, yeah, I mean, of the seven bad plays I counted, the first bad play was on the first drive. He was. Excellent. Well, he was excellent. He was he was fine on this drive, except for one play. He was beaten side. It was cleaned up by Devonta Freeman anyway. Freeman cleaned it up, mm-hmm. and I, uh, I don't know, it was a pass downfield or something like that. Um, but overall, I mean, th- there was only one drive where he had two bad plays. So it's mostly one one it's, bad play per he's, drive. You know, he's so he's trying rookie. to get consistency more than anything. Yeah, I mean, he, again, and a again, rookie who had no against offseason. a very good defensive line. This is not excusing him. He's getting a fart. I'm just stating. I watched every single snap. It was not good. Um, but again, Eric Flowers was first snap of the game tripping penalty because he gets beat inside. Man, Eric Flowers was an absolute nightmare. That's that's a colossal mess. And uh, well, also, also Andrew Flowers. You know, also, Andrew Flowers. Like, how many holding penalties did he have in his rookie year and second year? We're not. Yeah. You're not seeing Thomas being called for penalties, so it's not a position of being that's a good out point, of position. Or, I think that's something that's he's not just, being brought up. Yeah, he's just, you know, he's been put in the worst possible so, situation right now. That he's the left tackle is the, you know, very, very difficult position in offensive line. He's had no offseason to properly, you know, get indoctrinated to the NFL, and this is what's going to happen. You know, fortunately, this team stinks, and they'll just let him keep playing and work it out. You know, if this was a playoff contending team which you know give me two seconds i'll talk about that you know it'd be a different story um the one thing i want to talk about you know i'm saying playoffs and people are probably thinking i've had too many beers while i'm here in arlington this whole time but this team is still only two games out of first and while nobody should be booking their flights to tampa that means a lot for this coaching staff and it means a lot for this 
you know, roster also, they still have something to play for. I mean, a lot of people who watched that game after said, you know, well, you know, fuck this, you know, one in one in six or whatever we are now. And, you know, there's no chance now or anything. This is the worst team in history. But Dallas losing to Washington bunches everything up in the division. And now nobody in their right mind thinks that any of these teams are any good or would win a playoff game or anything. But if we're trying to build a culture here and we're trying to build something, you need to have this team all in, all invested, all year. You know, if you check out, if you're one in five and there's nothing to play for, you know, minds wander, business decisions are being made, people suddenly feel like they, you know, they don't want to get COVID for some reason, they opt out, all sorts of things can happen. But this coaching staff is looking at it. We're two games out of first. We still play every team in this division. We still play Philly at home. We still play Dallas at home. We still play a, you know, a pretty bad Washington team. It did look pretty good, but it was Dallas. Uh, so they are, there are still goals for this team that are really no different than they were before the season. So, you know, we all make the national media may laugh. I think that's going to help this coaching staff out a lot, not just for, in, in, you know, fully getting this team buying in and trying to, you know, install this offense and defense, but for talent evaluation as well. Like, who do we want? Who is a warrior that we want to keep? Who actually just sucks and we don't want him playing, you know, 100%. So it, it, there is still things to play for. These are still meaningful games. Just your bar of what the goal is, you know, don't, don't put it for Tampa. Put it for, you know, beating these three other crappy teams. Yeah, it's funny to me how a team can be one in five, <clears throat> and the fan base is is ready to go. They're rip roaring, you know. We're only a game out of first place, and then they become one in six. They're two games out of first place, still right in the mix of things. And then it's and fire. That, every, that, that's the it's it's fire, fire everyone. Trade everyone. No. Let's move on. Yeah. Now let's not again. I don't want to see tomorrow on Twitter that you know we're looking at this in big blue glasses and everything is great. It isn't. We, we, we can go on for 20 hours talking about all the problems with this team and where we are and why we are where we are. But the fact remains that the, the end result, the goal of your is to win your division and get in the playoffs. And really not much has changed from yesterday to from Thursday, at five o'clock to right now. They still, you know, they still played three more division games Hopefully some guys come back. Uh, Daniel Jones keeps developing, you know. So don't write off this season as com- the rest of it's completely meaningless. We're, we're, this team is not going to be in a Trevor Lawrence, a, a tanking for Trevor Lawrence situation because I have a hot take for you, Grub. Daniel Jones is the best offensive player we have on this team right now, and I don't think it's even close. Uh, you know, obviously with, with Barkley not being here, that's a different story. But this guy has got something, you know, uh, you know, these runs he's having, these little bootlegs and these uh, RPOs, this is a pretty good weapon that I think you're going to see ingrained more and more into this offense and be built around, not just for this year, but going forward also. Um, he throws a nice ball. He, you know, that, that uh, again, the Ingram play, we're, we're talking about he, he ruined the game because he dropped it. But, you know, something perfectly thrown ball at a perfect time. We, we think with more experience and more practice and more coaching that you know, he'll get more of a, a, a pocket presence and a, the internal clock will go more uh, with better weapons around him, both on the offensive line and out wide and a running back make his life. He, has, he doesn't have to do anything and force things as much as he may have to right now. So, you know, we were texting, you know, who's the best quarterback in this division right now, you know, of, you know, talking about uh, you know, it was Andrew Andrew Dalton. Now it's who the hell knows who that guy is, or uh, or what's his name with uh, Washington? Kyle Allen or Carson Wentz? Kyle Allen, yeah. I mean, you could make your case for for Wentz, you know, but I think Daniel Jones is right up there with Wentz for overall package. Mm-hmm. That's again, I know low bar. We're not these aren't guys going to Canton, but you know, for what we have, I think. Don't be ready to 
throw Daniel Jones out the bathwater for all the things that are wrong with this team and start thinking about Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or whoever's coming out next year or something because they have their quarterback. And this is someone I think that they, you know, they're going to work with until it's proven that he's not the quarterback. I mean, I'm, I'm going to temper some enthusiasm there, but what what I will agree with is, you know, beginning of the year, what we were seeing out of this offense was um, something resembling horse shit, um, <laughs> and you know that was partly on you know Jason Garrett. It looked like the, the way the the plays were being run, you know, nothing was really looking good, and it made Jones look bad because he's got nowhere to throw, and then he's getting hit and he's fumbling again, and you know all this stuff. In the last two weeks, we've seen more out of Jason Garrett, and you've been saying it since the beginning, as this is a slow implementation of the playbook. You know, with no offseason, with no preseason, there was no opportunity to really see what this team had. You know, this isn't a holdover from last year, where Garrett knows what he has in his skill position, his most important players, and what he has on his offensive line to know what he wants to implement right away. This is a... Jumping into it, game one, here we go. All right, uh, I guess run this play. Um, And we've seen a significant improvement. And I have to say, with the exception of some these reverses where, you know, it's very obvious that we're trying to get the ball in the hands of Ingram, uh, I really liked the game plan from Jason Garrett in this game. I, you know, I thought maybe I was crazy. I rewatched the game and. It was a, a fairly good downfield attacking, you know, again, leaning on the run, leaning on play action. Uh, early on, it, it was a pain in the ass that, uh, you know, um, you know they, they, they didn't go three and out on their first drive, but they, you know, they had the punt. And then immediately following that is a one play pass to Golden Tate for a touchdown. You know, not much you can do about that, but the time and position is really slanted against the defense at that point. Oh, um, uh, yes, I think. Call me a, a disciple of Steve Spurrier. My goal is to outscore you and just put constant pressure by scoring as fast as you can. Let them try to match me. So I, I, I will never be upset about time of possession being slow because we're scoring. And that's the efficiency you hope and dream about. Sure. I'm not, I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying, you know, combined with things, it didn't make the offense look like it was doing very well early on. Um and Fox loved to throw it in, in our faces early yeah. on. But, you know, come the second half and we have this ninety this, this 14-play, 97-yard drive. You know, Daniel Jones also rips off a huge run and sets us up for a touchdown. A couple, I mean, that's offense game planning and doing well. And, you know, I, I said this already, but Philadelphia is not hurt on defense. That was Philadelphia's real defense right there. And... You know, this team put up 21 points, should have put up more, um, probably should have put up an extra field goal at the end. So, Jason Garrett was a meme because he was a bad head coach. Correct. He never was a meme because he had a bad offense. The Cowboys always had a pretty good offense. He was just, you know, he did a bad job of, you know, clock management and a bad job. I mean, you maybe you could say the same thing about guys like Pat Shermer, too. You know, they just, they're not head coaches. And, Jason Garrett had a lot of loyalty for Jerry Jones to probably be on the job job longer than he could. He had a lot of talent to work with that, you know, masked some of his deficiencies as a head coach. But, you know, this this is probably his calling. And he'll probably be here for a couple of years and probably another head coaching job somewhere if this offense, you know, starts to ever flourish. But uh yeah, I mean, I this team looks like they're being coached well, in spite of the fact they hadn't had the opportunity to coach them well because of COVID. I'll be really interested to see what happens next year, you know, with a you know better influx of talent, a full off season to, you know, further implement and you know further coach because you can't coach. Once the season starts, it's very hard to coach. You're you're installing game plan and you're making sure people you know get their rest and they're just doing walkthroughs. This isn't coaching anymore. This well, isn't no, that, that's, at that point. It's just the position coach doing that stuff. Yeah, it's not practice anymore. It's just kind of. Getting ready, and, and this week was a short week. We went from Sunday to Thursday, boom. Yeah, you know, again, another thing not really it, it, taken into consideration. Again, I, I think had Darnay Holmes been in this lineup, it's a very different game. And, you know, I, I 
I know that he's just a draft pick and we're not talking about him a whole lot and I don't want to put this game on his shoulders, but I think that was a loss that that people don't know is a huge hit to this defense. This defense the secondary is already patched together, you know, like Frankenstein, you know. Yeah, we didn't lose the game because he wasn't there, but you know, certainly didn't help. Right, the, 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 yeah, it wasn't yeah. That that march down the field at the end of the game is a lot harder when you have a really good inside corner. It just is. And and you know, this was a game that the defensive line played pretty well. I mean, Leonard Williams I, I he didn't have the numbers for me to give him a star, but and I really have to break down the all 22 and watch specifically him, but he was probably an honorable mention. I mean, there were plays where I could see him blowing up the only offensive lineman that they have, and Jason Kelsey, very good offensive lineman, and you know, splitting double teams, forcing pressure into Wentz's face. Carson Wentz is just kind of throwing at green jerseys in this game. You know, yeah, those green jerseys aren't as open with Darnay Holmes in the back, and it's just, I, I hate to say it's a fact because it's not, but it's pretty close to a fact. Yeah, Leonard Williams uh, has been one of the best defensive players we've had in the first seven eight weeks. I would agree with you. I would say the three best defensive players we've had were probably in order, and it's really close, James Bradbury, Blake Martinez, and Leonard Williams. Yep, that was exactly my order was going to be as well. That, uh, you know. But, you know, we expected out of Bradbury, we expected that. You know, Blake Martinez, I would say, is a pleasant surprise. Yes. I expect him to be decent. He's, but He's playing better than I expected. Again, there was, there was some story about him over this offseason season checking out his diet and finding out that he was allergic to eggs, which was like... Oh, that'd be awful. <laughs> 60% of his diet was eggs prior to this. So I imagine right. that has something to do with him playing a little bit better than we thought. You know, I, I can Could only be. imagine. Sure. Um, yeah, I would agree with you. Blake Martinez is playing better than I would have thought of in, the, in this offseason as a free agent candidate. And the thing also is Leonard Williams... He's one of the three best guys, but he's not playing better than I thought because I thought he was good. Yeah, I mean, everybody true. looks everybody looks at him in terms of the trade and these mythical draft picks and all these things that you know how it's ruined the cap forever and blah blah blah. And how do you sign a guy? But he's a good player and he's playing what I expected him to play and being you know that glue guy on the defensive line. Okay. So he's you know it's not a pleasant surprise. This is kind of what I expected. And you know again, everybody was like, why would you you know? For a short-term rental or something. Now we're going on a year and a half. We're going to have him before that. That's that's not a short-term rental, you know. And a hope and a wing and a prayer that we sign him. But even if he doesn't sign next year, we got value out of him for a year and a half worth of work. That being said, we should transition to the the only thing that's really happened since then. The Giants have traded Marcus Golden to Arizona for a sixth-round pick. Um, you know, I feel zero ways about this. Uh, the Giants have gotten him for very cheap using the transition tag. And um, it seems pretty clear that he is not really a part of what they're doing schematically on defense. He's stepped in only due to the injuries to Lorenzo Carter and um, and the shoulder injury to, to Ziminus. So, um, you know, I don't think, you know, Carter has a ruptured Achilles. He's, he's out, out. But... It, it, it's clear that he has some value to the league that he doesn't have to this team right now. It's it's a fine trade, and now the Giants have an extra draft pick for next year, and they move on without really having to deal with much of anything, uh, with really no hit. Hey, and another another thing also for the people who don't like Gettleman, they didn't lock him up at the price that he wanted when he was a free agent. Not even close. No. You know, think about this if they would have signed him you know to the contract that he in the ballpark he was looking for and he was being used sporadically there'd be a whole sort of shitstorm probably at both judge for why you're using him and for gunman for why are you signing him so you know they needed a body they needed the guy who knew the the uh the facility so they brought him back a very friendly deal to the giants you know he's these younger guys you know they see more of a future than he does and while he doesn't have the value he thought he does, there is some value, and you you get a draft pick. Is you know we're going to need draft picks. We don't have any picks next year, right? Compensatory picks coming next year. I don't think so. And we were and we were down a pick. So you know, if a guy's just sitting on the shelf not doing much of anything, you might as well get a future asset for him. So you know, he had, he had a great year last. He had a great year last year, kind of out of nowhere. It would be hard to expect him to duplicate that 
just seen a different system and he was on the outs anyway. So yeah, and, and especially the snaps that he was getting. You know, and again, this trade is not going to be for a a, a person. You know, a six round pick can be used for anything. It may end up being used to draft a player. It may end up being used in a package to get a higher pick. You know, you don't know. Right now, it's an asset, and that's what they got for him. Right. And, you know, the Giants need assets. Yeah. Cap space is an asset. Draft picks are an asset. You know, these things are. This is how you continue a rebuild. And you know, I know we're talking about the playoffs and you know, still fighting for the NFC East. But first and foremost, this is still a rebuild. The Giants will be playing Monday night against Tampa Bay, who is red hot right now. So I can't wait to do the pregame analysis on that one. And and oh boy, um, but. Uh, yeah, so that episode will be Friday morning as per our usual schedule. So you can catch that episode on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever. There are podcasts, there is ours. And in between now and then, you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump. You can follow me at the Cranky Fan, where by the time you're listening to this on your Tuesday, I'll be getting ready for game six of the World Series. <sighs> You know, it's a good thing there's a World Series and I have to worry so much about the Giants right now and, you know, all the aggravation with that because I have enough things to worry about with baseball. So um, if you want to if you want to feel my pitch by pitch observations and aggravations, follow me on Twitter at The Cranky Fan. You know, uh, hopefully, if you don't care, it's entertaining. If not, you might get you might get blocked or be blocked by me. It's very volatile right now, but uh, I'm on Twitter at The Cranky Fan. So give me a follow. And with that, we'll see you Friday morning. Go Giants. Go Giants.